folks. Welcome back to the Field and Garden Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Mason Ziegler, and hey, thanks for joining me here today because I know you have choices and I appreciate that, um, you know, you've chosen to come in to the Field and Garden Podcast and give us a listen. So thanks so much. So today, um, you know, I'm doing a lot of cool flower talking, right? If you're not familiar with what Cool Flowers is, that's the title of my book about cool season hardy annual flowers, the concept and how to grow them. And y'all, I didn't make this up. I just rekindled what our grandmas used to do. And so Cool Flowers is more popular today than when the book came out in 2014. Because here's the thing. When you start talking about something that nobody else is doing, everybody seems to think that, you know, you're blazing the trail and you are blazing the trail, but that is not an easy trail to blaze. You know, it takes a long time for people to catch on, to believe it, to see it, to experience it, and then to share it with their friends. And um, Cool Flowers is just getting to the top of the mountain before it really gains momentum and rolls down, and we're grateful for that. But what's happening is this is just generating just gobs of questions and posts and worries and concerns, and so that led me um, to talk about, we call it FOMO, fear of missing out, which is actually like a social social media phenomena when we see what other people are doing and are scared to death that we ours don't look like that. And um, y'all, it's just, we just have to get our own footing. And um, so I hope this little chat, it's a replay of one of my Clubhouse chats. And if you're not joining me on Clubhouse, I would love to have you um, come on board over there. Clubhouse is a phone app, social media um, opportunity, and it's all audio, and it's like talking on the phone, and it's really a lot of fun. I do it every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. You just have to download the phone app, join Clubhouse, then look for my club, Flower Farming, um, and join it, and that way you'll get notified whenever I go live, but you can count on me being there every Wednesday at 1, and I talk for about 15 or 20 minutes, and then we have a time of Q&A, and um, so let's take a listen to this cool flower, FOMO, how to cope. You know, as you might imagine, I get a lot of messages and emails from folks that just are worried that they've missed their opportunity or they are sure that they're too late, um, that they missed out on fall planting. And I want to just start off by first saying that there are always options. I don't, no matter what we talk about in business or in flower farming or growing or gardening, there are always options. Sometimes it just really depends on how much heroics are you just willing to do? How much, you know, extra work, extra chores, have stuff, supplies to be able to do something that normally you wouldn't need to have done. And um, so when I, texted to Jesse, she asked me, you know, what did I want to talk about today? And I said, well, let's talk about the remorse that people are starting to feel because 
they perhaps didn't start on time and they you know may have missed their window of opportunity because we of course do have some folks that are our followers that already have snow on the ground you know they're i'm in the south i'm still at a beautiful 65 degrees during the day you know so it's hard for me to imagine that but so she came up with the term that is so well used and thought of today is that FOMO. And that stands for, for those of you that are in my age bracket, I'm 60. It's like, what the heck is FOMO? FOMO is the initials for fear of missing out. And that is something that is really a popular topic um, that that social media kind of generates because we're seeing so much of what other people are doing. Well, at least they're showing us the good parts of the stuff they're doing, right? So it doesn't mean that they have a bunch of failures or mess ups that they aren't showing us. And we tend to focus on all of their successes and wonder why we don't have those successes. And friends, I'm just here to tell you, I don't have time to look at that stuff anymore. You know, I mean, my business day is pretty full and I don't feel like on my free time that I want to be scrolling on social media. I have other things I would rather do. So I really miss out on that. And I highly recommend for people <laughs> to try to do that, to not compare yourself, because that's what really feeds that whole fear of missing out. But back to reality, um, if you um, feel like you've missed your dates, and let's just first say, what are the dates for cool flowers? When I say these dates, these are the optimal dates. And as I mentioned earlier, there's always options, wiggle room, um, and things you can do. So for fall planting, if a Cool season hardy annual is winter hardy in your winter hardiness zone. That means you can fall plant it with little work. And so when is fall planting? What is that key time frame? Fall plantings are targeted to be planted in the garden, whether it's direct seeding or a transplant, six to eight weeks before your first frost date say that again. That means that your target date, if it's winter hardy in your zone, is to plant either seeds directly in the garden or the transplants you started weeks before, six to eight weeks before your first frost. What that allows is for that direct seeded seed to have enough heat to germinate, to grow into a little baby plant, to be well-established by the time cold weather comes. For transplants, that means that when you plant that transplant, it has enough time for it to get established and to overcome being transplanted before winter comes, okay? So that's the first window of opportunity. The second real window of opportunity, and there's actually, I should say, there's a middle window that I will mention here. For those of us that the ground just never really freezes, I mean, I'm in southeastern Virginia. Um, I'm like half, if you divided our state in half long ways, I'm in the bottom half of our state. And I'd be willing to say that unless you're up in the mountainous areas, our ground just really never freezes. And what that means is that you could, with some heroic steps, we could actually plant all through the winter. 
people more south of me, like my friends in South Carolina and Georgia and that latitude of the country, can typically plant almost all winter long. So that's like the middle season. Not everybody qualifies for that. So I don't really talk about it a whole lot, but that is certainly a potential. I do mention it in the book, Cool Flowers. The second window of opportunity for everybody is what I call very early spring planting. And that is six to eight weeks before your first, I'm sorry, your last spring frost. I typically only plant transplants at that time because it's really hard to get seeds to germinate outside when it's so cold. So if you've missed what you feel like is your optimal opportunity time with fall planting, I want you to first off take heart that there are options. One option is you would just plant it in very early spring, right? Um, and the other thing that I want to really um, just, I mean, probably the best tool that I want to offer to you is that don't let this happen to you again. Um, if for anyone that's my student or has read my books, um, I talk about the big calendar. My farm revolves around this jumbo calendar that I, I don't 100% complete it in January, but in January, that's where I start marking when are the frost dates, when are the optimal planting dates for the different groups of plants that I plant, warm season and tender and um, cool season. And that means then I know when they're supposed to be planted. So when does that mean that I have to start them? I mean, literally, y'all, this is math. You're just counting on a calendar. It is truly that simple. If you're supposed to plant, let's just pull a rabbit out of, out of the air, April 15th then what does that mean as far as when you should have started that transplant? You count back and that's when you write, got to start transplants for X, Y, Z here. Then you count back and say, all right, when do I need to order that seed to have it? It's really that simple. And the best time to do this kind of planting is in the winter months when you have some brain space, brain time, you're not exhausted and hot and overwhelmed. Um, and so that is perhaps the best coping tool that I can offer to you is we can, I'm going to tell you a couple things to cope in a moment, but to know that you're not going to have to do those again, because you're going to start being more of a professional cut flower grower by planning your calendar and then sticking to it, you know, and it's a, just a great lesson today, a little baby rabbit hole. I understand how hard it is to pull out crops that still might be performing, um, but you really need to get them out of there so that you can plant the next crop in time to get it established, let's just say for cool flowers. Um, at our warehouse, we have these two big beautiful pots out front we have the most gorgeous Vinca annuals um, that have been amazing all summer long. We don't even water the pots. They just go. Um, and so we bought pansies. And today, Suzanne was going to plant the pansies. And I know that the, my heartstrings were tugged thinking, oh, my gosh, we're going to pull out those gorgeous Vincas. Yes, we have to get the pansies in, in time for them to get established before really cold winter comes. 
We have to take that kind of stance when you become a professional grower. Um, and a lot of the suffering and the wallering that I hear people lamenting about is basically over this one simple step. They just can't bring themselves to do things. And that can't even be a topic of discussion, really, once you're a professional grower. So that is my big tip of the day is that you have got to plan your next year um, on the calendar. It does not mean that your calendar isn't going to get moved around or changed or be flexible, but you have to at least get these big dates in. Um, in January, I know in my mind where cool flowers is fall planting cool flowers is going to be the next fall because my whole summer is kind of, I keep that in mind. Um, and so that is a really big problem. Um, and so the other thing is that that whole second opportunity of planting, if you are, you know, in zone seven, six, five, four, you're obviously not going to be doing any winter planting, most likely. Um, so very early spring is your next window of opportunity. And, um, you know, but the thing is, you have got to get those beds prepared in the fall, typically before the soil gets wet and frozen. So for many of you, that may mean you need to get off here and go outside and do it. Um, but because once the soil gets wet for winter, it's never going to dry out all winter. That's part of the, well, that's a whole other discussion, right? About how that's why we don't have to irrigate cool flowers all winter because the ground just stays so darn wet. That's a gift and a curse. Um, so you just have to get those spaces ready. Um, the other thing that I would offer as a coping mechanism is that we tend, because so many of us grow a very large in-season, warm season, annual cutting garden during the summer, you know, that's just the natural time for people to have just a lot of times the largest crops volume that they have. And that tends to take overwhelm people. I was going to say take them down. I guess it overburdens us. Um, and particularly as we head into the late summer, um, July and August, um, sometimes you just have to really, again, take a step back and say, okay, I have all these flowers that need to be harvested. Do I really have enough outlets to sell them? And if you don't, friends, I am telling you, you need to step back and say, which beds are we mowing? I don't care how beautiful they are. You need to make your garden so that you can manage it, so that you can get ready for the biggest crop of the year for us, cool flowers. Spring flowers, undoubtedly, that's the easiest market to sell in. And so you just have to really put on a lot of business glasses. Um, to really pace yourself, make choices, get organized, and make a plan for your calendar. So I have a couple of hands raised, um, but before I start, well, actually one hand raised, before I take that first question, and I'm imagining that Jesse may have some, I just want to again say that there's always options. I don't, it doesn't matter in life, you, it's just a matter of what you're willing to do. For instance, so if you are on the edge and you're wondering if it's too late to start seeds, you have more options 
in transplanting than you do direct seeding, as we have spoken of in the past here. Um, to direct seed outside, you have to have some warmth during the day. So if you've already lost warmth, you've lost your chance for direct seeding. If you um, have hoops and row covers, which I recommend that everybody have enough to cover all your cool flowers for a variety of different reasons during winter and to not get caught without them. Um, we here, because I own a retail store, an online garden shop that sells those supplies, we hear from the people that call us begging for a rush order because an unexpected cold weather front is coming. Um, my recommendation and what I practice is I have enough row cover hoops and weight bags to cover my entire garden. Um, and that means for cool flowers, which isn't my entire garden, I have enough row covers that I could actually double cover in the event that I needed to. Um, so there is always options. So let's hear, I'm going to ask up, um, I have Baby Boomer and Ann's Flowers, and I'm going to ask both of y'all up, and if you'll mute yourself when you come up, and then we'll get one person to go first. And Jesse, do you also have questions? I do. I have several. So why don't you go ahead and start while we're waiting for them to either accept or figure out how to how to get up here. I know it's not everybody's experienced here on Clubhouse, and we understand that. Okay, so from Kelly, and she says, not everyone teaches about cool flowers the way that you do. Often, everything says to plant six to eight weeks before last frost. When I'm unsure of whether or not something can be winter planted, I usually check what zone it is hardy to, and then I go for it. But is that right? Is everything that is winter hardy going to take off in the spring, like your tried and true list in cool flowers? That is just such a great, great question. And um, it's, in fact, you're doing the correct thing. And, you know, when I tried to pitch the book idea of Cool Flowers, I had a really hard time convincing a publisher that I really knew what I was talking about. I had been practicing it for so long. And if you go back to really old garden books, there is talk of cool season hardy annuals being fall planted. Um, so that's exactly what I also do. If it's an unknown, then I try to seek out what winter hardiness zone it's known to be hardy to and um, then go to work trying to figure out whether I fall plant it, if I, it's hardy for me, or in very early spring. So that's a great question. Okay, do you want me to pull another one? Yes, because it looks like that we, nobody has come up. So those may have been mishaps. So yes, go for it. Okay, sure. You were talking about a calendar earlier and the one that you use is an extra large wall calendar. There was someone asking if you also use a desk calendar and if so, do you, do you know of one that you would recommend? So, and that's another really good question. And um, I will, I don't usually give products plugs, but I will tell you the exact name of the calendar that I use because it is in fact very different than any other calendar. Um, it is an at a glance, which is a very popular brand of, of all types of calendars, but it is the jumbo wall calendar. And the reason we select a wall calendar and that particular one is on our farm, I want everybody to be able to see 
the schedule, not just me on my desk. And this particular calendar, which I actually just, mine just came two days ago for 2022. Each day's block is like two by four inches. So there is plenty of room to write all of your information. Block could also work that same way if you're a solo worker um, and just a regular desk calendar. Um, you know, the type they call it, um, I don't know if they call it a desk calendar or a desk blotter. I mean, I do that for my business for important dates. Um, so that would also work. Okay. Um, let me see what I have next here. I've got Jared. And he said, I've had issues with rodents moving in under my row covers in winter months. Do you have any tips to mitigate that? Huh, yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if he's talking about voles or moles or rats or mice, but basically the same thing pretty much um, can be solved by the same solution. Um, and for us, that was really restoring the natural order of our farm and encouraging predators. Um, and who are predators of rodents? Um, raptors, which are owls, hawks, um, which a lot of people don't encourage them because they're afraid that they'll get their songbirds. Um, but also the ones that we have particularly taken interest in and provided for and have almost 100% eliminated our rodent issue are snakes. And not everybody appreciates snakes. And I really don't appreciate snakes either, but I dislike moles, voles, rats, and mice a whole lot more than I dislike snakes. Um, and the way that we encourage them in my book, Vegetables Love Flowers, which is about a three season cutting garden, um, I talk about this. I talk about these natural ways that we have encouraged predators to help us on our farm. Um, but the real way that I feel like we provided um, for, and when I'm talking about snakes, I'm talking about black snakes and rat snakes, and they're harmless to people, but they are totally ready and waiting to eat all of your rodents. We haven't had a rodent issue um, even here in our building. We used to have rodent issues, mice getting in and eating our sunflower seeds. Bobo and I exclaim about it frequently that for the last three or four years, we have had zero mice. And we know it's because there's a black snake that just kind of slithers in here from time to time. And he's eliminating all the mice outside around the building. Um, so we have a rock pile in a permanent landscape area. Um, and we just provide for them and just encourage them. And it's really paid off well for us. Okay, so my next question here from Robin says, any advice or resources to help on how to decide a planting arrangement? Um, you know, what to, what things might need to go together or not go together, um, also rotating for seasonal succession purposes. Yes. So the, um, again, the book Vegetables Love Flowers, a big part of that three season cutting garden book is teaching about succession planting. It actually has diagrams in the back um, to kind of demonstrate how that all works. Um, and I will say um, 
because I we have no way on Clubhouse to announce this, but um, I was so honored to be a guest on Joe Gardner's podcast last week. Um, and we talked a little bit about succession planning. And it was a great podcast. I would highly recommend that you check it out. Um, there's actually a link to it on the homepage of our website, thegardenersworkshop.com. Um, and it's really hard. Let's just say for cool flowers. Um, people have often said, you know, which ones are best grouped together? What I tend to focus on when I am figuring out what plants to plant in a bed together, a cutting garden bed, meaning, you know, 10 feet of this type of plant and then 10 feet of this kind of plant, one after the other, is are they a one and done crop? That means are they typically just cut once and then they're done? They don't bloom over, a, you know, several weeks um, or are they a come and cut again? And the problem with me recommending and telling you which I plant together is that it can totally vary from region to region which flowers fall into those categories because it's really all about your weather conditions. So I'm here on in the, the north end of the south, right? And a lot of these plants would in fact rebranch and give up more stems if I was more north where their summers don't get hot and humid um, is totally different. So you really have to experiment. But the one thing I do stick with that I can share is I really try to pay attention to what the maturity height of plants are because I net everything um, to keep our stems upright and long and straight. And by really paying attention to put the shortest in the front and have a gradual incline or to put all the same height in a bed really helps to make a difference. That's a good tip. Okay. Uh, so then our next one here is Marion. She's got a couple of different questions. She was asking about, um, I guess she says she's in a similar zone to you. Uh, and she planted dill last year, but lost it all. She says, do you direct sow dill and also straw flowers in very, very early spring? And I suppose she's asking that because she planted dill in the fall last year and lost it. Sure. Those are really great questions. Um, we always direct sow dill. Although I will say that you can start it indoors if you follow that little Amimagus Daucus tip that I share from time to time. Um, Amimagus and Daucus are the Queen Anne lace lookalikes, right? And um, they really germinate best under cooler conditions. And what we found works the best is to sew them into a soil blocks and then put them onto a seedling heat mat for about 24 to 36 hours, then move them off the heat, even though they haven't begun to germinate, and just sit them in your growing area where it's kind of cool. And lo and behold, they will start popping in about five or seven days. Five to seven days, well, dill falls into that same category. Um, but in general, I have really good luck direct sowing dill out in the garden 
We always plan on fall planting it. Some years we'll lose it if it gets really cold, um, but we always plan on direct sowing it again. Um, not so much in very early spring, but probably about two weeks before our last frost. We can never have enough dill, and it's so beneficial to your native pollinators and beneficial insects. We can never have enough. Um, and I'm sorry, what was the other? Oh, straw flowers. Yeah, straw in fact, she, she had actually a two-part question about the straw flowers. Um, she was asking about when to sow them, but also she was wondering if there was a trick to get bigger blooms on those. She's not sure quite when to cut them either. Okay, so straw flowers, um, in our experience, are winter hardy to zone eight. And I'm kind of like right on the edge of eight and seven. So I'm like eight A, seven B. So we don't fall plant them. We tried once and they made it through till about January. And then we had a cold snap and it took them. But what my experience has been is straw flowers are such great growers that even when we, um, we do plant them in very early spring via transplants, um, that they grow fabulously planted in very early spring. And I will say that just to kind of sidetrack for just a second, there are some being living where I am or South of me and I'm in Southeastern Virginia, some plants planted in very early spring for us. I'm just going to give an example, bells of Ireland, which we can fall plant and I do fall plant. We don't bother planting again in very early spring because when I very early spring bells of Ireland, it just never gets well established enough to grow into a robust tall plant. They bloom short is basically what happens. And it's just our conditions here. I do not find that to be the case with straw flowers. Our straw flowers very early spring planted go like crazy. I mean, they're 48 inches tall. Um, and so when you actually cut them is you wait until they're completely open and there's usually a cluster of two to four blooms on each stem. Um, and if you cut them too early, they'll be floppy. You'll figure it out pretty quickly. Um, but straw flowers are undoubtedly one of our most favorites. And we actually, this last year, succession planted straw flowers, um, several more times after very early spring. So they will even perform planted into the warm conditions. Um, they may not get as tall as that very early spring, but who needs a 48 inch stem anyway, right? 24 to 30 inches is plenty tall enough. And they're amazing bouquet fillers. I mean, everybody loves them. Florists, bouquets, supermarket bunches. It's just a great one. And we now have them in all the separate individual colors. Excellent. Yes. So then um, one more quick question from Marion. She's doing uh, cover cropping and she had a bed of zinnias that she whacked down and she wanted to leave the, you know, the plant material on there to decompose. But she's wondering, she wants to plant a winter rye crop and she's wondering if she can just do it with the plant material freshly whacked or if she has to wait for that to decompose before a cover crop would be successful in there. Sure. So the problem is it doesn't really matter what the seed is, but when you incorporate um, matter, whether it's fresh green or brown leaves or whatever, um, what happens is your soil goes to work trying to digest it. And 
you know, it just really depends on the state of your soil and how much vegetation there is. I would say it's risky to sow seeds into soil that has just recently had um, plant matter incorporated into it. Now, if you just dropped the, the vegetation on the soil surface, that could probably work and just rake the seed down to the soil. Um, did that answer that? Sorry. Yes, I think so. Yeah. So then I have one from Stephanie. Um, she's in zone seven. She said she bought status seeds from the gardener's workshop, but at the time didn't realize that they were considered a cool season annual. She says, will I start them in spring? Oh, I will start them in spring, but will fall planting next year give me a better plant? Again, she's in zone seven. No, they aren't really winter hardy where you are, just like for me. Um, and they do really well. So we plant them very early spring. You know, that's the cool flower term for six to eight weeks transplant, six to eight weeks before your last spring frost, which means you would start them indoors about four to six weeks before that date um, to have them ready to go, depending on what type of seed starting um, method you use. Okay. I, I have lots more questions. How long do you would are you able to go? So today? <laughs> we'll we'll take we'll take just a couple more and then we'll call it a day. So just pick maybe the most you pick two and ask. Okay. Generally, I, I try to go in the order that they were asked time wise, but that's uh, fine. Let's see. Um, this is one from Cynthia. She says I have snaps to plant out that are about twelve inches tall. It's been too wet to work the ground lately. I finally got the bed ready. Do I need to pinch these 12 inch snaps before planting them? Oh, that's a really good question. So if you're going to pinch them, 12 inches is tall. Um, the vulnerability of that is that they're more vulnerable to wind whipping. But if you're already cool to cold where you are and you're going to hoop and row cover them, then you could leave them. The other alternative is, is to pinch them. I have never pinched plants in a plug tray before. I've only done it with soil blocks. And I so I cannot comment on that. But if they were in soil blocks, we've pinched many snaps in the tray. But then we allow them to stay in the tray for about another 10 days to recover from the pinching and to kind of get going, sending up shoots before we plant. You know, we don't want to pinch them and transplant them all at the same time. That's like a double hit um, to the little plant. Um, so you'll have to use your judgment on that. So if you're able to hoop and cover, I would just plant them as is um, and then pinch them at a later time after they're established. Or if you can't cover, then I would pinch them immediately um, doing that, not knowing if they're in plug trays, but I think they'd probably do okay and give them some recovery time about seven days before I planted them out. Great. Okay, cool. I wanted to just let everybody know, I'm going to, um, pull one more question here, but if you didn't get your question answered today, I encourage you to go over to our Facebook group, uh, the flower farmer show and continue the conversation over there. Uh, we try to, um, that's a pretty active group. And so, um, you know, we're in and out of that pretty regularly. So um, I have Autumn uh, has one last question here. And Autumn says, how far ahead do most seeds need to be started indoors prior to the six week mark, meaning, meaning the six to eight weeks before frost, I guess. So is there an average number of weeks that most seeds need to be started indoors prior to planting out? 
Um, not really an average, and it there's a couple of different variables. One is the method of seed starting that you use. Um, soil blocking, which is what we do primarily, we do do some plug trays, but mostly soil blocks, cuts a third of the growing time off. The plants just grow so much quicker. So that's one variable. Um, the other variable is some plants just grow faster than others. For instance, rudbeckias are typically slow growers. So sometimes we'll start them eight weeks before it's time. You know, we know that we have a lot of time before they have to be put in the ground um, versus others are pretty quick like status. Um, we just planted some status that was literally only two and a half to three weeks old that was planted yesterday. Um, so you really have to get a feel for it. So I would say between three and six weeks is general, but you really need to find out for your seed because there is nothing worse um, than starting too early, have it still be too hot outside, or your beds aren't ready, and your beautiful transplants grow into ugly transplants because you can't transplant them yet. And there's no fix for that. You just have to suffer through it. And, you know, I tell people if it's if that's happening and, you know, you your beds aren't ready and the ground is wet because you've waited too late, you've missed your window. You're almost better just to start over again. Compost those transplants because they will definitely be not the healthiest, best quality and best performers. Um, so I would say three to six, but that is so general. Um, I don't know that that helps at all. Um, so I think that's all we're going to take today. Um, and so I appreciate everybody coming on. So Jesse, let's see, let's review. So I would love for you to join my flower farming club, which is the little greenhouse at the top of this window that you're on and join my club, which means you'll be alerted whenever we go live and also to join the flower farmer show Facebook group. And if you have a question for me, tag me. I have, there's so much going on over there now that I don't have, I'm not able to see all the questions, but if you tag me, I do my best to get to your question and answer them. Um, I'm still doing my Fridays at 6 p.m. Eastern time, Facebook live from the farm and would love for you to join us there. And, um, I think that's all we have, Jesse. Do I have I missed anything? No, I think we got it. Good discussion, um, I, everyone. Good questions. Yeah, they were really great, and we appreciate people bringing questions. And I also recommend if you haven't, if you're a flower farmer or a designer or a farmer florist, um, that there's a florist buying local chat on Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. normally. However, this week. Um, because Clubhouse was actually down on Tuesday, they're doing it Friday morning at 8 a.m. And that is a great look into what florists need, want, their problems, their challenges, um, and just another great way for you to learn some. All right, friends, until we meet again, ciao. So are you suffering from FOMO? I mean, it even had it. I mean, this is not something you ever cure people. I still suffer from it. We all see things that we are fearful that we missed out or we're not doing it that way. So I hope that you gained a little bit of understanding and maybe a tip or two that'll help you out. And I'll post below um, the show, this, this podcast, 
in the show notes um, a link to connecting with me on the gardenersworkshop.com where our learning center is just packed with great resources, both free and paid. Our online courses are over there, my podcasts, my blogs, lots of videos. And of course, it hosts also my online garden shop where we only sell those tools, seeds, and supplies, the same that I use on my farm, as well as I would love to autograph a book for you. And um, our online courses are over there, both for gardeners and if you are embarking or already in the fl- a flower-based business, we have a course that can help you on your pathway and help you to scale your business, um, get it back in order, or to even restart it. So, all right, friends, hope this is helping. And until we meet again, friends, ciao. Thank you.